Hello, Internet, and welcome once again to the Always Online Multiplayer Gaming Podcast, brought to you by MMOBomb.com, your home for all things multiplayer-related. I'm Mike Byrne, a.k.a. Magic Man, your host, as always, and this is episode 454, and we're going to be talking about Path of Exile. they got a whole lot going on, a whole lot going on, including a new Ruthless mode, which we'll kind of use to talk about whether it really pays to develop that type of content or not. We'll talk about some odd bits and bobs of news, including Blizzard facing another potential lawsuit, but not for what you think. And we'll take a look at uh, Cacao Games, maybe not having the best Q3 they've ever had. We'll take a look at it all. Joining me to go over all of it, Quintlin Bowers. What's up, Q? I'm here. It's Friday. <laughs> you sound thrilled. I mean, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. It's Friday. I woke up breathing. It's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. Also on the line, once again, uh, Aspen Pash. What's up, Rose Hoppa? Oh, hello. Yes, happy Friday to all of you East Coasters and I guess Americans in general. Yeah, yeah. I always like, I always forget that like, what, it's two in the morning right now for you, isn't it? Soon to be three in the morning. I think daylight savings for you guys is yeah, coming up this weekend. Yeah, this weekend you'll slide to a full like thirteen hours ahead of us or fourteen hours ahead of us. Fourteen, now. yeah. yeah. Oof. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so everybody is here. It's Friday. We've established that. That means, of course, we're doing the show live. Twitch.tv/slash MMO Bomb. One p.m. Eastern time. Daylight savings next week, of course. Yeah, so still be one, but. It'll feel a little later. We'll get a little extra sleep on Sunday night uh, as we go through all of the news today. If you're watching on YouTube or MMOBomb.com, we love you. Thank you. We appreciate it. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, any of those things, give us a like, a subscribe, turn on those notifications. And most of all, make sure you pop over to the site. Check everything out. That's the one that pays the bills. Give us your weekly bombs and your question of the week answers. You came through last week. Love you for it. Do it again this week. It's awesome when we have tons of stuff to choose from there. On that note, let's get started with the news. Yeah, chat. I mean, could be potentially the last daylight savings ever. Yeah, could be. Although they've been batting this one back and forth for decades now. So I really wouldn't get my hopes up on that one. We'll see. I do like how we have some states queue that are just like, nah, we're not doing that. No, I I grew up in Arizona. Yep, that's that's one of the primary ones. <laughs> it's pretty much the one now, I think, um, because Indiana was another one. And when I lived in Indiana for a while, they they weren't, but there was a section of them right around Chicago, right where Chicago and like the burbs had just spread out into Indiana that did do daylight savings time. But I think a couple of years after I left, they decided to go with the rest of the country yeah the and other the other state that still doesn't observe it is hawaii which i mean kind of makes sense like you're just do whatever you want you're in the middle of the ocean like <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's hawaii time it's fine yeah but yeah it was it was weird because arizona right like we would switch back and forth between uh mountain and pacific i think mm. like we we would just swap back and forth between the two and so when I moved, you know, to other states like Mississippi, I've, I've never gotten the hang of daylight savings time. Thankfully, I don't have to now because all my devices handle it for me. And it's not like I get up to go into work. I just need to wake up at some point and look at the clock and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think I could have survived if I actually really had to cope with daylight savings. Yeah, these these types of jobs, it's it's generally easy. Timbo James in chat saying, yeah, that totally messed me up when I was driving trucks cross country. Yeah. Oh, man, that would be awful. Like <laughs> in and out of each time zone. And then like if you're driving through Arizona, I mean. I guess technically driving through Hawaii, although that that really <laughs> <laughs> they have interstates. I don't know why, but they do. Um, yeah, that would suck. That would suck. What time is it here? Well, how far west did you go? Oh shit, I don't know. Uh, okay, let's talk about some game stuff. Enough daylight savings time. Chit chat. Path of Exile is going to be introducing a ruthless mode flag. So if you don't play a lot of Path of Exile, 
uh, or Diablo or these, the, you know, those other ARPGs that are kind of, you know, once you beat the story, the game becomes the gear acquisition, the looting, that type of stuff, of course, but then also the challenge, right, right of increased difficulty, hell difficulty, this difficult. And Path of Exile has its fair share of those things already. Uh, and then they introduce their own little, you know, things with different leagues, and a league might have a different mechanic, and sometimes that mechanic might become part of the, the main game. Sometimes it doesn't, like one of the, the recent ones. That's all well and good. But they already have hardcore and uh, solo self-found. Now they're also adding a ruthless mode. A ruthless mode. And they put out a whole FAQ. We covered it on MMO Bomb yesterday. So if you have some additional questions about the particulars of this mode for you POE fans, absolutely check out both of Anthony's posts on that. But they describe this as a challenging mode for a very specific type of player. It's not going to be monetized differently. So it will stay part of the, the free-to-play aspect of Path of Exile. And it does use, allow you to use existing microtransactions. Now, they say this reimagines traditional understanding of where Path of Exile's end game is. So it's kind of, this is going to be the new end game. Reaching higher campaign acts, let alone maps, in this mode is an achievement on its own. They say this absolutely is not for everyone. Extreme item scarcity, potions not refilling when you enter hubs. Like there is obviously a lot going into this as far as making this, well, I guess ruthless uh, for lack of a better term. So I got to ask, Q, I know you and I are, are into ARPGs. Uh, Aspen, are you into like ARPGs, Diablo, that type of stuff? No, not, not counting Diablo Immortal. We don't count that one here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I did like Diablo actually quite a bit. Does ruthless mode delete your actual identity in real life if you die in game? It does not, but there is a difference with ruthless versus some of the other difficulties that are permadeath in where you can like at least take the character back to normal. If you die in ruthless, that that character's gone. You can't take it back. Uh, so there are different death penalties, but no, I believe they still let you live in real life. Q, does this like have any appeal to you? I don't think I've ever personally been so invested in any ARPG that this would be something that I would play. I readily acknowledge that, and so do they, that this probably isn't for everyone and it probably isn't for me. I just don't care enough about you know, that type of challenge. But I, I understand some do. So I think this kind of falls into the same area of, say, like the Souls games and stuff like that. Uh, we were actually talking about it the other day because a couple of friends of mine are like running through some of those games. And, um, you know, a lot of times, right, you'll catch me arguing for the make things a little bit more accessible because you want people to play the games. But I like this too because it does give you the... If you want to be super hardcore about playing the game, you can, right, without it impacting anybody else, really. So it, it for the people who want those challenges, I mean, it it's the same thing as, you know, throwing like ultimates or savages or whatever in. It's it's it, it may not be for me, but it's for somebody. And I'm glad it's there for the people who want it. Um, I don't know what the financial balance is on creating it versus putting it out there but i think it's cool that they have it for the people who who do want that kind of thing Chirac saying wasn't this a one or two dev off time project that kind of morphed into something i don't know if that's that's true i don't if it wouldn't surprise me the way grinding gear games works and lets people kind of experiment within their teams to do things but i don't know that for sure you bring up dark souls demon souls the whole souls series and I think there's like a key difference there, right, Aspen, in that like those games are specifically made to be punishing from top to bottom. Now, obviously, there are various difficulties and self-imposed challenges that you can do. And we've seen uh, God Mode runners or SL1 runners and things like that in the Souls series uh, imposing those own self-challenges. But those games are literally made 
to be that way from beginning to end. Where here you have Path of Exile, you mentioned uh, Final Fantasy fourteen Q, where this is an additional feature. So I think it's a, a little bit of a different ball game, isn't it? You, when you design a Souls game, you're selling it to the entire game in its entirety to the Souls audience that wants that content. Now, whether or not that audience is big enough is going to determine whether you get to make more games. This right. being well, something additional kind of added to a different experience as a whole kind of makes it fall into a different bucket for me, I think. I think, well, my point, though, was that I typically argue the other way. Right. Like, I'm all for games that challenge people, but I'm also for letting more people play your games. And if that means creating, you know, different difficulty levels in order to do that, then that's what I would generally argue for. It's just to me that this is going in a slightly different direction. Not that Path of Exile is like cheese it easy in the first place. Like if you really want to be, you know, good at everything in the game, there's there's a lot of stuff there, right? There's a lot of challenges and everything else. So it's not like it's, you know, it, it's not like Path of Exile is just going in face roll it, right. on stuff. So but I mean that that was more my argument, not not a direct comparison, just saying that normally I would argue the other direction. Where do you fall on this, Aspen? I personally like the idea of adding this difficulty mode. I can only compare it to, sadly, <laughs> a Nintendo title of um Breath of the Wild, like master mode, like something that's very difficult. It's adding a big challenge. And people don't have to do it. And I feel like POE has enough people in it that are so dedicated to the game that this actually isn't necessarily a niche market. I know they say it's not for everybody, but I think it will actually hit more people in Path of Exile. So you, you think that the audience in Path of Exile is a little bigger for this type of content, maybe what, because of the type of game it is? Like that is the idea of end game ARPGs is increased difficulty, increased punishment. And so you kind of know that getting into that type of game. I mean, maybe a little, but I feel like it more so on the lines that the game's been around for a while and then fans that have been there since the beginning might be looking for an extra challenge or something that is so final. Like if my character's dead, it's dead. Like this is something I'm not going to grind through necessarily. I'm going to take my time, be more strategic. It's that extra layer that might be enticing to people who have been with the game for a very long time and do feel like they need a little bit of something else, but they really like the game, so they don't want to change to a different title. So I want to look at this in a, in a, a bigger context, too. When, we, when Final Fantasy XIV put out Island Sanctuary, I think it was, in fact, the three of us that had a little discussion about, you know, making this type of content that is for a fraction of your player base and whether that's a good or a bad thing in a, whether you could get away with it at creation of MMO or whether that's only something you can do later and things like that. But MMOs in particular, they do this thing, right? That you just don't see in any other real genre. And, and we're going to call Path of Exile an MMO for the sake of this discussion, simply because it does cater to uh, multitudes of players, not saying that it's an MMORPG. But when you get that latest single-player game, Q, right? That one you were waiting for. And you get it, and you boot it up, and you play the hell out of it, and you're done, right? There are metrics that the team looks at that says, this is stuff that players liked, this is stuff that they didn't, this is content or systems we put in here that people really didn't engage with at all. And they use those metrics in the sequel to the game to say, all right, we're going to cut this system because 3% of players were using it. So we're, we're just going to get rid of it. There's no reason to sink dev time or resources into it. Where MMORPGs in particular, on the other hand, they, they, they sink a ton of time and resources into content that they full know one or two percent of the player base does it right high-end mythic stuff in world of warcraft savages ultimates and and extremes to varying degrees depending on which ones they are are experienced by smaller and smaller and smaller play uh, player counts is it actually worth it like yeah those one percent two percenters are probably also going to be the loudest on the internet if you didn't have this type of thing 
but they're not your bread and butter. Like, what is this? What is the drive there for MMORPGs to sink that type of development time and resources into content a fraction of a fraction of the player base is experiencing for what? Fear that that 1% might leave the game, might not like the game, might not come back to the game, might badmouth it on the internet at the expense of maybe doing additional things for the 99%? I, I, the logic sometimes escapes me, I think. I mean, I'm not, I don't know that that is the logic. It could just literally be, and it seems like at least in the case of, of XIV, that with a lot of that content, they're kind of making stuff that they're interested in. Um, you know, they, they want, they want those challenges to be there because they want the challenges to be there rather than necessarily worrying about how many people do it. And I think, I, I don't like it. As someone who is kind of like a, a little more relaxed, but I dabble in a lot of the different things, uh, it, it doesn't bother me that they spend the time and resources on it. it it's kind of like the island. I personally, like I went in, I did the stuff on the island. I, I got the mounts that I wanted. I got the outfit stuff that I wanted. And I really don't touch it much anymore. Um, part of that's because I spend most of my time doing a lot of gardening at houses. So I, you know, just don't feel like going and doing it on the island. But the other reason is obviously there's no rewards left that I want to get. But then I have other friends who literally spend all their time on the island. They queue into the stuff that they're doing from the island and everything else. They've got everything they need or want. And they've got so many of the blue calories, it's not even funny because they've done the min-maxing and all of that to figure out exactly how to get them. But it doesn't hurt me that it's there. It's not affecting anything else. I feel like anything else that I'm doing. Like there, there are other things that, you know, I might be, you know, annoyed with or something like that, but that's not affected by those things. It's like, oh, they like them shortening the range on the dancer in PVP. That annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> but this other stuff, not not so much. If you know, and there there are like, you know, if you go and you look at the um at the party finder, there's constantly people doing the ultimates. There's constantly people in there. And it might be one or two percent, but it's still a lot of people because there's just a lot of people playing the game. So I don't think it's a bad thing that they're investing time and money into that stuff because it's obviously something that quite a few people enjoy. Right, but then you see the counter argument, right, Aspen? And that's always, that is taking away from development time, resources, money that could be spent catering to the 98, the 97% of your audience and giving them more content. And you, you can't really... You can't really overcome that argument as somebody like Square Enix or or Blizzard or or whatever without saying, look, these people would be fired if we didn't do this stuff. Because there's always this perception of, well, if they weren't working on Savage raids or Mythic high-end plus raids, that they would then be working on something else. And that may be true, but it also may not be true. Uh, in that it is not a resource allocation issue. It's not taking away from anywhere else because we just wouldn't hire these people if we weren't developing that type of content. But that's a hard prove to a player base that says, every other patch, why are we getting stuff that 1% to 3% of the player base is going to do and, and we're getting one or two dungeons instead of three or four or in a longer uh, story in each patch or insert more mass-consumed content here as the argument. Right. Uh, well, like, honestly, I would like to have numbers on things to see if it actually does make a difference on spending time on these smaller projects that might be targeting to a smaller audience, like, to be more specific. But, like, without those numbers, all I can say is that I think the reason that companies decide to go this route of smaller content, like looking from a business perspective, it's just not feasible to create big content every single patch. So they kind of have to think of a way to create content, even if it is for a smaller audience. So they could release that patch after patch, like they can have those like sprinkles of something rather than 
big data every single time because I just don't think it's possible. And then I think by trying to force yourself into these big content updates time and time again, it's going to be lackluster and like the story is going to struggle or some aspect of it is going to struggle. So I think there's more to it than just, oh, the devs should be spending their time on bigger projects than smaller projects. Not enough people care about these smaller projects. I think, I don't know, I, I kind of agree with Q on it. Like, I like to try to be different, so it's more of a discussion on the podcast, but honestly, I really do, I agree with Q. So Timbo James says, and I don't agree with this one, uh, I wouldn't say it wasn't justified. That would be like saying the accessibility options aren't justified because it may be a minority that uses it. Uh, that argument, uh, Timbo, respectfully, I, I don't equate the two. You're talking about the ability to interact with the software itself versus a piece of content that is too difficult for somebody, that they don't have the desire to to kind of overcome. Uh, I, I don't think you can quite make that comparison. I see your point. I just don't think that comparison uh, can can quite be made because you're you're talking about optional content versus being able to interact with the software, period. Uh, if you need some type of accessibility accommodation. So a little different, I, I guess, maybe in, in my own mind. Or if I took the point incorrectly, Timbo, let me know. I don't know. It's just weird. We, like, look at every other business and every, you know, what are the most people at your shampoo store buying? Okay, I'm going to stop making the ones that sell 2 or 3%. It's not worth my time to make a batch of that just to have it sit on the shelf, and occasionally I'll sell one or two bottles. Uh, we're going to make a video game. Our sequel, we're going to take out some of the things that players didn't engage with all that much. But MMORPGs, like, it's almost like I keep going back to like this MMORPG checklist, right? It's got to have PvP, got to have high end raids, got to have high end difficulty raids, got to have like all these things that fractions of the player base engage with at high expense and resource counts. And I'm not complaining because I personally like that content. And even the stuff I don't engage with in most of the games, I'm totally fine with. Yeah, fine. You know what? It draws in a different portion of the audience. But when you're talking about, hey, 40% of players won't play an MMO that doesn't have PvP, and I'm making that number up, I pulled it out of my butt, uh, <laughs> then yeah, okay, I kind of see why you might want PvP in there. But when you start like talking about single digit percentages, I don't know. It just gets a little weird for me. I'm not bitching. I just think it's bizarre. It's like a really bizarre business model in, think, inside of things here. I, I think part of it too comes in, at least in the case of like X, XIV, right? Where for, for the, the money's coming from different places, right? It's coming from a subscription or in the case of Path, Path of Exile, it's coming from the shop stuff or whatever. So, I mean, obviously, like Path of Exile, if you only concentrated on what was making them the money, you would just do nothing but sit there and make, you know, basically, you know, fancy wings and shit to put into the game. And that's all you would spend your resources on. But I think for me, as a perspective of a player, it just doesn't bother me because I like seeing other people do stuff that they enjoy. And I have friends, like I have one friend, all he does is ultimates. That is it. If he goes in and tries to do dungeons, he will literally fall asleep. Like, you will just hear him snoring over the mic. <laughs> like, right? He can't do any, like, it, because he got into ultimates and that, 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 that's where he's at. The other content is just too boring for him now. Um, you know, and I have friends that, like, you know, they go in and they try to do savages and stuff together. But I think the other benefit of it is too, right? Like you were talking about games where you go in, there's the content made. But at the end of the day with single player games, unless you're the kind of person who wants to play the same single player game over and over, you've completed the game, you put it away, you pick up something else and you start playing it, right? With games, with, with MMOs, the idea is to keep you in. And yeah, they could release like additional dungeons or something, but after a while, the dungeons just kind of get eh. Um, yeah, and and Final and, Fantasy and, and in particular, we're not going though. Back. Yeah, go ahead. We're, we're we're not really necessarily going back unless it's like uh, you know do doing dailies or something to complete our wondrous tales. It's like 
for, you know, for, I, I go back and do the dungeons quite often to get my tomes because I can do them on duty support now. So I go in and I do them to get my tomes and to apply to getting my gear for doing other things because it's just easy. Um, but, you know, then I avoid things like alliance raids, like the freaking plague. Um, I go in and I do them once for the story, and then if I never have to go back to them again, I'm just fine. But these, the, the savages and the ultimates for the people who work their way up into getting into those, it's something that keeps them in the game continuously because it's, it's a goal for them to work at. Like, I don't really have to work at a dungeon. I just go in and run a dungeon, right. it, it, excepting criterions. Criterions are a different beast. Uh, but Timbo clarifying say he wasn't really com making that comparison, uh, and I apologize. I assumed the the pronoun there, Timbo, just uh, on Timbo, but uh, uh, wasn't making that comparison to accessibility in the way that I presented it. Just kind of pointing out there's a group of people that use a sm a small group of people using some piece of the game. Uh, and but here's the thing though, Aspen, if you look at Final Fantasy XIV in particular, you can make the argument that that type of content is costing development in other places. If you go back to A Realm Reborn, you know, three dungeons per patch. If you go back to, like, Heavensward, it was two dungeons per patch. Uh, and, and we've seen the development timeline and quantity of dungeons decrease since 2.0 and all of its subsequent patches started coming up through all of the expansions. So there is the argument of you were adding... At the time, these savage and extreme modes, and remember they played with like hard mode and stuff like that on dungeons for a little bit, but you you actually do see, hey, a decrease on side A and a decrease on side B. And I, I don't think, Q, you're wrong, right? Dungeons are very disposable, for lack of a better term, particularly how they're done in Final Fantasy XIV, where aesthetically and story-wise they might be interesting the first time, but it's mob, 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 boss, mob, 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 boss, mob, 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 boss in a straight line, uh, typically. They're not very compelling pieces of content that you want to go and do over and over and over again. By the same token, though, don't you have, Aspen, that same argument for savages and extremes? Once your guild has killed it and everybody's got their weapon, you're not going back there. Right, so you might not go back. I don't... I don't know. I feel like I'm just going to keep saying the same thing over and over <laughs> again. Like, because like, hear me out. Like when you think of, cause you even mentioned yourself, you're like MMOs, like they have this vendetta. They have this list of things that they keep doing over and over again. This small section of people play this type of content. Also, sorry if you hear my birds in the background, I think no, I will come up. Okay. Um, so you have that like, small group of content but an mmo is huge and i think that's why mmos do it there's so many people and i i personally don't see an issue of just spreading out content over a various number of different sections to try out and see how it goes and again there is somebody who likes that small section of content you know like i think looking at it from the flip side, like, let's say they made something just catered to you, Mike. It's just for you. You are That'd in that sweet. 2%. Right? <laughs> More developers should amazing? do that. <laughs> yeah. See, like, I think maybe that just hasn't been discovered yet in the MMOs that you're playing. Maybe, it, you know, but I think if you look at from the 2% and if you are in that 2%, it kind of changes the narrative just a little bit. True. True. And, and again, like if Path of Exile, if, if Chad is right, uh, and this was kind of like a side project by a couple people to just see if it could work, and then they kind of ran with it, that's a bit of a different development story, right? Than just, hey, we're going to bring a team on to make something more difficult, so it might not be the resource draw that it, it, it turns out to be. I just think it's interesting. Again, I, I'm kind of with both of you. I don't see a problem with it, but that's because I enjoy that wide spectrum and I do engage in that more difficult content. Whether I clear all of it or not really doesn't matter. I engage with all of it. Uh, so personally, cool, thumbs up for me. But when you think about it, it's just like, that's a, what a weird business model sometimes. And maybe there's a, there's 
a valid reason for somebody that's not engaging with that to look at it questioningly. We're going to ask you what you think on the topic in this week's Question of the Week. Before we leave Path of Exile, though, not only are they doing Ruthless Mode, but holy hell, November is busy for Path of Exile. They've got the Mayhem stuff kicking off on November 4th and running for 10 days. The Endless Delve goes live on the 14th for a week. Uh, the Delirium Everywhere goes on November 21st with another more challenging experience. And let's not forget, gang, that the Grinding Gear Games is going to go ahead and put out a Path of Exile 2 next year. So there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot going on at Triple G. Plenty of stuff to make Path of Exile fans happy. Uh, let's head over and do a little bit of some weird oddball news. First up, uh, Blizzard getting, well, maybe, maybe. This one isn't official yet. But Blizzard could be facing legal actions. I'm sure you're stunned by this news. I'm sure you're just absolutely flabbered. What, they're getting sued? What have they done now? But Aspen, it's not for the reasons that people probably by default think. Yeah, no no sexual harassment claims this week. Who knows about next week? <laughs> this week. Yeah, next, next week. <laughs> next week, who knows? I'm you know, sorry, the way so... you worded that, I just saw like a huge office whiteboard in the background that it's like, <laughs> it's been two weeks since we, uh, with zero sexual harassment claims, <laughs> like those safety claim boards, the way you delivered Everybody's that. clapping. Right, They're like, all right, three weeks, way to go, way to go. <laughs> no, they plagiarized a hotel and i actually like looked it up i was like how bad is the plagiarized like is it you know is it the hotel and it is like it's the hotel the hotel is like a five-star hotel it's called the controversium hotel and it is used exactly in call of duty but they changed the name to brainberg because obviously when you plagiarize you just gotta change the name and then it's okay like everybody knows that then it's yours yeah, the fun part of this, and uh, today I learned, uh, architecture is copyrightable. Like, I didn't I didn't know that. Like, it makes sense to me why it would be, uh, but I just never stopped to think about it. And turns out, yeah, changing the name of a hotel in your game, but basically lifting their lobby and their geographic location and everything. Yeah, that's copyrightable. Like, it makes, it, it, it makes sense, Q. Like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, falling water, of course, is copyrightable. But maybe that's under historic landmark or tourist attraction terms. No, just architecture, copyrightable. It, it's not just the architecture either. Like, literally the carpet in hotels. Really? The car yeah. So uh, there is a hotel in Atlanta, the Hyatt, uh, where... Dragon Con, it, it's it there's there's five hotels where Dragon Con takes place, but this is the the main one. And there was carpeting in there that is so identifiable that people started making costumes so they could go in and like lay on the floor and blend into the and, carpet and be invisible, <laughs> <laughs> right? And blend into the carpet and stuff. They did eventually end up ripping it out at some point, I think, but there was a lot of legal stuff going on around the use of that carpet. Are you pattern. kidding me? I am not. Oh my at god! All. Like it was crazy. It's it's such an identifiable pattern that it was just like it, it, it's it was, a thing. What, but was it like a carpet that was a carpet piece of art, and they were copywriting it that way? I mean, I, that would seem to I'm maybe not, make I'm more not sense. Sure, exactly. I, I think it does kind of fall in the. It's the pattern, right? It's right. not that piece of carpet it was this very distinct we associate <laughs> this with the Hyatt Regency in Atlanta and with nothing else carpet like you know and, and there was, great there was great a, cosplay <laughs> costume here you've been served um. <laughs> like, so it, it was just kind of like this this funny thing yeah like you couldn't sell stuff related to it or whatever um but yeah it was it so it's not just that but I mean too I think it's not probably not just the cop because the, the thing they said, right, is like they don't want their company associated with like things that promote violence. Yeah, with people getting shot right? up in your lobby. It, exactly. So they made the interior and the exterior of this hotel. And obviously, based on the pictures of the gameplay takes place inside the hotel. And, you know, like if you're doing a movie, you go and you ask. 
right? Hey, can we use your your place as a as a thing to, for for scenes that we're shooting? But I guess I don't know. Blizzard, Activision Blizzard, just thought it didn't work that way because they're a video game company and yeah. not a film company. Viper I, I, I Viper comments on the piece and couldn't be more right. Wouldn't be the first time Call of Duty devs plagiarize something. Probably won't be the last. <laughs> Couldn't be more right. Here's a weird-ass collaboration for you. I actually, before I assigned this, I think, uh, Aspen, did, did you write this one? Um, yes. Before I assigned this, I had to make sure for about 15 minutes I wasn't getting trolled. <laughs> in, into covering something because you're looking at the image now when I saw it I was like that's just ridiculous there's no way so I, nope totally legit Fortnite collaborating with Ralph Lauren popular brand and uh, yeah Polo Horse replaced by Polo Llama Polo <laughs> Llama which is just a phrase I'd never thought I'd ever say in my life uh, not only is there going to be stuff uh, in the Fortnite item shop starting tomorrow with this collaboration, but outside of the game, you're going to be able to get hats, hoodies, and even polo shirts with the polo llama. Now, they're also in the process of creating a physical version of the boots that in-game characters will be able to purchase in the game during this as well. So... I, I thought I had seen it all as far as weird collabs, but this one's just bizarro world to me. Like, that is an iconic logo that you're now putting the Fortnite fucking llama in. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Same. You're not a fan, Aspen? Oh, I'm like very, very against this. Like, <laughs> I hate it so much. I think it's so tacky. It is. <sighs> It is to Cal. Now I need to go rewatch The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> llama, llama, no llama. Hey, Q, do you want some uh, boots? <laughs> you want some polo boots with. No, you know what's llamas? funny about this is I, I couldn't find the tweet, but I saw like two days ago a tweet from somebody either at, you know, at Smite or High Res or whatever, where they were talking about collabs and talking about how. You have this kind of stuff from freaking Fortnite while, you know, Smite and Paladins and stuff are doing collaborations. They're in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> like, which one has the cooler collapse? I think I'd go for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles collaboration personally over this thing. Right. Whatever this is. Whatever this is. What a mess. But I wonder if it's just because like I'm not a big Fortnite fan, like or Ralph Lauren fan. Like I also try to think of that because I know Burberry and Minecraft are doing something right now. And then yeah, yeah, yeah. Pokemon and Puma are about to do something. But I love Pokemon and like the Puma collab actually looks really good. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just biased because I'm not into Fortnite. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it is just really tacky. I'm not sure. <laughs> chat, some in chat think it's tacky, but they love it. They love it. <laughs> like there is a charm and a funny to it, but I'm just kind of like, ugh, ugh. I literally thought it was a joke. I had to research it for ten or fifteen minutes before I assigned it to Aspen because I we do I'm, onion pieces now. You're right. You yeah, we're know. just gonna start <laughs> covering things from the onion. Um, in other weird oddball news, Black Desert Online pulled their Halloween events early. They pulled them all down early after basically that crowd surge thing in South Korea where like 150 plus, 154 people died in a weird situation, crowd surge, like almost stampede, people being crushed and, and stomped. There's a bunch of people investigating it, tons of cameras. I mean, we're not going to go into that. It's a very tragic situation, and, and our condolences to uh, anybody uh, impacted by that event. But it was really weird to see all of a sudden Black Desert pulled its Halloween events. Like, I, I don't, I don't get the correlation. Um, I, I really don't. And they said, "Hey, when we do the, when we pull these in the next patch, we'll provide more details." And really, the only details that they provided was that, hey, we're pulling all of the events, uh, the second, and here's some more information on 
what's being removed and the dates you have to use your event currency uh, to go and exchange items. It wasn't like they weren't they weren't like more detailed about like, hey, this is a sign of respect. Uh, I don't know. The official announcement reads, as you may have already seen on the news, a catastrophic incident occurred in South Korea during the Halloween festivities on Saturday, resulting in the tragic loss of many lives. In light of this terrible news, we'll be ending the currently ongoing Halloween-related events and promotions during the scheduled maintenance on Wednesday, November 12th. We ask for your understanding, and we will provide more information in our maintenance notice. Our sincere condolences to all affected by this tragedy. I guess maybe being a, a South Korean company, Q, and it was a Halloween event that, hey, we're going to get rid of our Halloween events in games as a you know a show of respect. And while certainly nice, I I don't really see a benefit to to pulling it. It was it just seemed weird to me. I I, I think it's just one of those things, and and it, and and I do think you're right. It's because it was at a Halloween of you know a real world Halloween event that this thing happened. Um, it's kind of similar to. When we had, when America has a, a shooting or something and a game company goes, well, we were going to release our shooter this week, but we're going to wait on it a little bit. Like it doesn't really change anything and the shooter is, you know, going to come out, but it's kind of like, just to make people feel better, we're not going to put this thing out right now. Or, you know, like we've, we've done it before writing about stuff and then we go, mm, maybe we won't write about this, you know, incredibly violent game right now. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think it's kind of that same thing. Like none of it really makes a difference in the grand scheme of things. It just makes it, it, it feels a little more respectful on our end and maybe we're not upsetting people that way. And, and I, I think it's the same thing for them. Like it's, so it feels weird to us because like we're not in South Korea and we weren't involved in it, but you know, <laughs> to Cal sake, sometimes the benefit is just not to stick your face in the fire, see a potential PR hole and just avoid it. Uh, yeah. Just a weird, weird one. Like it. Okay. I'm, I mean, it's not like the Halloween event had, you know, I, I don't know. Whatever. Hey. Cool. It was just on the scale. Like, it was huge I for was, it was, South Korea. Yeah. Like, it was, like, the whole situation is bizarre. Like, they, they still weren't sure what even caused this surge and stampeding thing. Like, it was bizarre. Yeah, so I just, I think it was also like a respect thing. And I think it was definitely the right decision to make. And who knows also, like they said they were going to release more details and then they didn't like, you know, it. maybe no one in the company was involved. Maybe a daughter at the company was involved. Like we don't know to what extent because they are a South Korean company. So yeah, good point. Like maybe, you know, and that's something I hadn't considered. So nice, nice bring up on there. It's like maybe there are employees that would rather not be working on a Halloween event, having just been impacted personally in some way by by those events as well. Um, yeah, good point. Really good point, Aspen. Uh, last thing here before we head on over and do our weekly bombs. Not a great quarter. For uh, Cacao Games, speaking of Black Desert, Q3 2022 earnings report shows a 34% overall revenue drop. A third. A third. That's year over year. So Q3 this year compared to Q3 last year. A 9% decline quarter over quarter, looking at the current Q3 at the previous Q2. Uh, they've attributed to stabilization of mobile game service and elimination of seasonal effects from its sports branch. You know, getting huge fluxes, influxes of cash like EA does when the new Madden comes out, but then they don't have that uh, going forward. So, yeah, they call it a natural decline from existing titles, but that's a pretty big one. However... They do have some things on the horizon that I want each of us to take a look at real quick. We've talked about some of them on this show because they're kind of pinning their rebound hopes financially on a few key titles. The first one being Distera. 
This is that kind of survival shooter resource gathering and building game. It's gone through a couple of tests. That's going to be coming out soon. I think that's by the end of the year. Um, and then we'll uh, November 24th, globally early access for uh, Disterra. And then they've got some other things coming in Q1. So let's run through a couple of these titles and we'll kind of get our thumbs up or thumbs down. Are we interested? Chat, throw yours in there as well so I can kind of sum up all of yours. Disterra, I'm going to give it a thumbs down. Uh, I'm not personally interested in yet another survival shooter game, uh, even in a sci-fi setting, which you think would lend itself to me a little bit. I'll play it for the first look, but uh, it's not one that I'm like, I can't wait till that comes out. What about you, Q? Uh, it's one of those games that I forget exists until we write about it. <laughs> That's stunning. Aspen? Yeah, it's a pass for me. All right. So Cacao, not looking good on that front with a very small sample size, admittedly. A very <laughs> small sample size, admittedly. <laughs> uh, chat, you looking forward to Destera at all? Give me some thumbs up and some thumbs down. Then, and you, I can't wait to show this B-roll, we've got Arc Age War, which for some reason my B-roll froze on Arc Age War, so we'll do a quick swap. Nope, didn't work. Didn't work. Boop. Boop, boop. There we go. Uh, Arc Age War, which this B-roll is going to show you absolutely nothing because we don't know a lot about this one yet. And these are going to be titles later in 2023 and maybe even some of them beyond, but a new MMORPG in the Arc Age space. We already know that they're working on an Arc Age 2. This is Arc Age War, which we presume is going to be a bit more PvP-focused. The original Arc Age didn't do it for me. I doubt any follow-ups or spin-offs are going to do it for me. Aspen, we'll go to you first. Yeah, and I think their other Arc Age sequel that they're working on like might be an NFT title to, to make things better. <laughs> so uh, it's a pass for me. Uh-oh. Q? I haven't played the, the other Arc Age, so probably not getting lots of thumbs down in chat too like nobody's given us a thumbs up on anything yet <laughs> on any of these uh okay then we have and this one's been pretty big as far as people following it odin valhalla rising and again i'm talking about global launches i know some of these are available in in eastern countries under various testings and, and things like that i'm talking about globally becoming available Odin Valhalla Rising for PC and mobile. This one will be slightly restricted by region where the other ones were fully globals. Uh, Odin coming to North America and Europe is scheduled in Q4. Uh, Ares Rise of Guardians, one we're not going to talk about, is coming out in Q2 in the East. They got so many different things. And I know a lot of people are kind of interested in Odin. The whole MMORPG, Norse mythology, there is a huge audience for that. A huge audience for that. But one of the big gripes that particularly Western audiences have had on this one, Aspen, is a lot of this is uh, autoplay. You know, it's one of those types of MMOs where you just you let it do its thing and go kill things and stuff. Now, after feedback, the team has said that they are thinking about removing autoplay. From the global release, but that's still like <laughs> great, but it just means I have to manually do the mind numbing things you had the autoplay doing, and they must be mind numbing or you wouldn't let autoplay do them. So I, I don't know if that, ex I'm sure people that are like, this looks good and I actually want to play it are probably happy that they're considering removing autoplay. But for somebody that's like on the outside looking in, I'm like, does that really matter? Does, does that really matter that they're taking that out? It just means you have to do the mind-numbing stuff they were going to let the PC do, Q. Yeah, I I don't know. I think this is actually every title that I've like even just mildly looked at, I'm just not interested in what they're doing, <laughs> like any of them. I'm Misfit says oh. it matters, but only to an extent. Yeah, I mean, you have to play now, which... People are like, yeah, I want to play an MMORPG. But if you're not changing what I have to do to play it, then it I don't know, man. 
<laughs> Aspen, this... And it's a mobile one. I generally just don't have confidence in PC slash mobile full-blown MMORPGs because there's always huge compromises in it uh, as far as what you can do in game and the performance of it. I'm I'm so sorry. I like you want robot. Oh, mode I said there's, for a there's bit, just huge like, compromises <laughs> when you do PC slash mobile, and, and I don't generally have faith in those. Okay, I, mean, I got that. I got that one. There's oh, okay. some compromises <laughs> when you're doing these kinds of things, but he doesn't really have faith in it. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Q's now my translator. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I mean the thirty four percent, you know, drop revenue drop. I feel like it's there for a reason. Like that's all I'm gonna say. Like that doesn't happen overnight. Isn't part of the reason though, like still revenue drops from like all the video game companies getting those really huge boosts during COVID where they were like, stay home and play our games and here's some codes and keys. And well, I mean, some of it can be, but now you're looking at Q3 of 2022 versus Q3 of 2021 at this right, point. They still so, probably had people that were riding through for like yep. another year and then have just slowly tapered off because... And Eastern countries have been a little more um, mm -hmm. aggressive with... With, with quarantining and, and stuff like that than we have here in the States. But you also have a 9% drop Q3 over just the quarter right before it. So losing almost 10% of your revenue quarter over quarter in a drop yeah. isn't great either. So yeah. I don't know, man. It's looking rough for Cacao. I hope some of these games do well. I've always liked working with them as a company, and I, I have no doubt they're going to go anywhere. But like they're their shareholders aren't exactly pleased with like some of their ownership stuff in Lionsgate. The, I think that's the one that's doing Odin. Like it's, it's a little rocky. It's a little rocky there. Let's finish up and slide over and go do the weekly bombs. <laughs> Chad telling me to speak Japanese, then uh, Rose will be able to understand me. Uh no, Aspen doesn't actually speak Japanese. That's I think we discussed that before. Like you, you know enough to order a beer. Yeah, I know survival Japanese. <laughs> survival <laughs> Japanese. Go ahead, Aspen. You're up. Your weekly bomb. Okay, so yeah, my weekly bomb. I'm so sorry. It's not for an MMO, but it's actually Harvest Stella that just came out today by Square Enix. It's amazing. It's so good. So that's a dub bomb. You are all over the farming games. Your your article this week was your your cozy, comfy <laughs> multiplayer recommendations for some fall farming fun with multiplayer and your friends, and, and it was like Stardew Valley and stuff like that. Now you're adding Harvestella to the mix. Okay, but this is more Final Fantasy-esque, and like the fighting system is really good, and the story's really good, so it's not just farming. It's not in just my defense. It's, it's not just. There's more than it's just really called farming. Harvestella. Da, one da bomb. Q, what do you got? The the funny thing is, is mine was going to be related to that. I was uh, going to give a da bomb to a friend of mine for reminding me that Harvestella was coming out by sending me a message going, this seems like you. <laughs> and me going, oh, right. <laughs> I got the press release today for it, immediately deleted it. Like, I just say, okay, whatever. Uh yeah, it doesn't have enough Final Fantasy in there for me, Aspen. This is too much farming. Too much farming. That's fair. I like but it. But you telling me that there's a good story, man. Damn it. That might make me yeah. play it at some and point. And the life is, I mean. I'm gonna give an A-bomb to having to do the damn stable upgrades in Elder Scrolls Online on every single character. If you don't know. You visit a stable master in Elder Scrolls Online once a day, and you can put a point in speed for your mount, stamina, or bag space. You can put up to 60 points in all three of these, but you can only put one point per day. Not in all three. Pick one of the three. So this means 180 days for you to max out all three of those items. And that's if you logged in every single day to do it, because it's a manual clicky thing you can't just that doesn't happen you got to go do it so you got to log in and remember to do it and you have to do it on every single character it's not an account-wide thing 
and I am joining the cries of many longtime ESO fans and saying this should be account wide. Stop it. Stop it. So an A-bomb from me. Nasagra says, today I learned I've spent too much time reading Steam reviews, talking about our game last week, because I got all of them right, and the only one that was hard for me was the one for Soul Worker. I think I'll go touch some grass now. <laughs> Way to go, Nasagra. <laughs> go ahead, Q. Sigari Checker, I cannot pronounce that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Checker Kassov, there we go. Uh, hello, Jason, the ghost, and the team. Enjoying podcast when walking to swim class. Thank you for all the time and company. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Aww. Thank you. Go ahead, Aspen. Box, giving a dub bomb to finally getting my base stations for VR. Super cool. Waited about four months for them since they're on back order. Playing VR with full body, especially in the fighting games, has been a blast and something I've been doing to get a fun workout in. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, in chat, Stojanowski says, A-bomb to Rockstar Games for their GTA Plus membership. Old Glory saying, da-bomb to the best mobile game ever. Neek? Nike? Nike? N-I-K-K-E. Nike. Is that, is that what it is? Nike? Uh, yeah. <laughs> recommended to everyone to try out. No. Rose showed me that game. Is it, is it worth checking out, Rose? Is no. That... It's, it's like this really like... <laughs> It's like a waifu collector. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Timbo saying to bomb to next week between body or boy of war and Wakanda. I don't know what I'm looking forward to more. Yeah, we'll be talking about some of the trailers and early receptions for God of War on tomorrow's uh, gaming gumbo. So make sure to check that out. Uh, to Cal giving a dub bomb to Ginger Prime for quitting Final Fantasy 14. Dude obviously no longer likes 14 and is getting out. Just wish he would have done it last year instead of subjecting us all to that pessimistic-ass content he put out. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, chump. On a note, on a related note, the bomb to the channel block Chrome plugin I just found out about. Now I don't have to worry about Asmongold, Ginger Prime, or the Xeno guy even showing up in my feed to start with. Yeah, Ginger Prime leaving Final Fantasy 14, you know. Bunch of bunch of different reasons. Mainly, the dude's got five kids, um, so time a little bit of the essence for spending it with the family. I don't know if I really cheer anybody leaving a game. I'm sure he'll be back. Like he'll probably come back, and he's a friend of mine, so uh, I'm sure he'll be back. Checking out the expansions and stuff here or there. He just might not play it as much as he does. It was really weird to do a whole video about it, though. I was like, why? Like, <laughs> just don't cover it. <laughs> And that, that's the way that kind of stuff works, though. People expect it. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Uh, to if, Cal if saying A-bomb to Ky like... uh, Kyrie Irving, shutting up is free. <laughs> Jeez. But if he didn't do it, people would be like, why didn't you do a video explaining why Well, he also has like his channels broken up, too, I guess, right? One of yeah. them, I think, is Final Fantasy specific. Like, he's, he's, he's enjoying the hell out of New World right now, so a lot of the content shifted over to that. But I guess, yeah, it's a, probably a little different if you have a channel dedicated to a specific game and you're not going to do that game anymore. Uh, go ahead, Q. Okay, just so you know, you skipped the one above that, so that's the one I'm going to do. Yeah, that's fine. Sorry. <laughs> uh, non-735, a bomb to Multiversus. The advertised Scootober event turned out to be a North America only. Oops, sorry, the latter corrected it to U.S. only. I know it's probably licensing issues, but I can't see why they thought making an event for only part of the community was a good idea. Yeah, that's a little weird. Go ahead, Aspen. RS Jabber, the bomb to Halloween events and MMOs. Yeah, it may be the same thing every year, but the Mad King's Labyrinth and Guild Wars 2 never gets old. I will also say this, too, about Guild Wars 2. Obviously, I love Mad King's Labyrinth and the, the towers and all that stuff. But Guild Wars 2, they actually, they change theirs every year. There's like side story content that changes every year too. And, and 14 does it a little bit, but not nearly to the extent that Guild Wars 2 does. Uh, Corey V says, Overwatch 2 is just Overwatch with some added graphic settings. It's just an expansion to Overwatch. What I hate about so many games these days is they forget it's a video game they're playing and just care too much about skins. While $20 for skins is stupidly overpriced, you don't need them at all. Skins don't change how you play. You never need skins. People treat games these days like they're a skin sim 
or a waifu collection tool. I, I don't know. Uh, and not what the actual game is. People legit quit because skins are too pricey. Like WTF. It's an arena shooter, not a skin sim, which is actually surprisingly difficult to say in a sentence for me. Skin sim. Uh, I've, I always love seeing one of the richest companies in the world complain about money they're getting from subs. They could make that stuff free and that would, they would still make money due to everything else they make money off of. See, I, you know, I mean, I get the point, like particularly in Overwatch, right? You, you can't see your character <laughs> at all. So like, what is the point of a skin for you besides like a showing off? That's why like, in, I think it's gotta be game specific. Like in Overwatch 2, Aspen, would you be happier if skins were in the rewards so that since you can't see them, if I saw you running around with a skin that had a recognizable achievement attached to it, I can go, oh, dude, she did that. Oh, my God, that's so cool. I can't wait to do that and get that skin, too. You, you don't have that real feeling of fun in Overwatch 2 right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you get play of the game, like your character is front and center... And it looks really pretty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but yeah, everything else is what? First person, right? Oh, yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the weapon charm is the only thing that you would see. That's another thing. Why are there weapon charms <laughs> in a game that not every character uses a weapon? Uh, like, but they work for all of it. Do they? Do like, I, I don't know. I'm asking. Like, not every character uses a gun. So what do they do with the gun charms on a character that doesn't use a gun? Actually, there is a character that uses uh, their hands. So, actually, I'm not sure what they do for that character. That's a good point. You got to find out for me. You gotta okay. Like it tangles off the wrist or something. <laughs> they wear it as yeah, like a maybe. little one of those like, little Pandora charm bracelets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's there's like gloves with an attachment or something like that. Like Last week's question of the week. What's the best class you've ever played in an MMORPG? What game was it and why? Do you Do you have one, Aspen? best class you've ever played oh i liked rogue and wow you like the Just stabby like, stab and the invisible yeah assassin oh yeah cute you got one <laughs> i don't know if it counts because secret world didn't really do classes we just kind of built our own things so <laughs> Yeah, so I guess you're like, well, I really liked Shotgun Crowbar. <laughs> <laughs> I like this thing that I built that was kind of tanky. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got to be Red Mage in 14 for me. I like the, or I'm sorry, in 11 for me, because I, I like the whole mixed skill set supporting a party. Like, I, I really like support classes. Like, Bards have been good in, in some of, like, the EverQuest content, but... I wish more games like did support classes better. Uh, from uh, YouTube or the site, RS Jabber says, question for the me for of the week for me, it was Lancer in Terra. My very first class after the game came out. Slow and heavy movement made you feel like a walking fortress. Also, the Lance weapon itself wasn't that common for tank classes back then. But the best part was soloing huge monsters in the open world, blocking and looking for an opportunity to strike back yeah and alas the game no longer exists on pc but you can still play it on consoles weirdly go ahead q uh grabbing wow enhancement shaman i was told it wasn't good i tried it liked it and learned it fully i ended up completely knowing the numbers i was even known for it in my server back then a guy that openly didn't like me talked to me over it and asked me to teach him fun times <laughs> I don't like you, but I would like to learn from you. I mean, it's legitimate. <laughs> Go ahead, Aspen. Dovarsk. Easy, like super easy. Bard, not your shit. Final Fantasy fourteen Bard, but the real Final Fantasy eleven Bard, where you had to sing your songs and pull to keep the experience flowing with infinite pulls and buffs. Oh, man, that was good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Timbo in chat saying, not an MMORPG, but an ARPG. Champions of Norath had a pally with a floating hammer that I loved because it would go off screen and kill people. Would get me levels above everyone else. Uh, Takao saying, Final Fantasy XIV's Black Mage. Why? Two words. Xenoglossy crits. They are nice. They are nice, aren't they? Question of the week this week for you. 
what we were talking about earlier. Should MMORPGs really spend time, money, resources creating content that only a small fraction of the player base will ever really do? I'm not talking about trying something new, by the way, and I guess I should have said that earlier, right? That's something different. Hey, we don't have anything like Island Sanctuary. Let's spend some time and money and see if this gets accepted. I'm talking about things you have the stats for. How many people are clearing Mythic Plus 20s? How many people are clearing, you know, uh, Savage X, Savage Y? When you have those stats, should they be doing this? Does that widen the player base enough to make it worth it at the expense of potentially other content? Let us know how you feel in the comments below. Don't forget your weekly bombs. Dub on for something good. A bomb for something bad in the world of gaming or just life in general. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of the Always Online podcast. Until then, Aspen, where can everybody find you? Rose Hoppa across all socials. Makes it easy. Go ahead, Q. Uh, at Quintlin on Twitter for now, at least. For <laughs> Oh, are you thinking of leaving Twitter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me right there at MagicMan1. But more importantly, follow at MMOBomb. And we'll send a tweet to you every time we do a giveaway, first look video, news article, feature, interview, and more. Stay safe. We'll see you on the servers. Later. Later.